0: Hey, before we start the show, I want to share something with you. You're about to take part in a rich conversation, and sometimes that might leave you wanting more. Well, we've got more for the most motivated among us. And if that's you, I'd like to invite you into an inner circle of sorts. Here's how it works just take out your smartphone and send me a text. I want you to text Pod, all one word, to 855-909-1350. Once you've texted me, you won't miss the bonus conversation we're having and any chance for us to connect further. That's all I got. So enjoy the show.
1: If you make your bed every morning you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made and a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. So if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed.
0: That was that awkward moment when U S Navy SEAL turned four star Admiral turned commander of United States special operations command was asked to give a commencement speech to graduates at the university of Texas. And he told them all to make their bed pretty anticlimactic, right? The gnarliest leader of the most elite unit in the most powerful fighting force in the world comes to the podium to articulate how you can change the world. And he tells you to make your bed. What's that all about? The reason you just heard a piece of Admiral McCraven's famous commencement speech is that if changing the world and accomplishing life's most fulfilling moments was about the specific thing you're doing, then we all better be precisely right about what we choose to do. And that just isn't the case. If so, folks like Admiral McRaven, who has experienced extreme fulfillment and greatly impacted the world through his military service, would be telling every man, woman, and child that they should join the military. But he's not. And if it were about the thing we do, then how do we explain Ron Finley, whose life's work is in creating disruptive gardening opportunities in the ghettos of South Central LA? Both men seem to have profound wisdom from their experiences. Both are incredibly fulfilled by their work. And they both are actively changing the world through seemingly opposite paths stylistically this is obviously because as admiral mcraven offered earlier it's not about the specific end goals rather it's about the little things that make the big things possible it's the means to those grand end goals in this season of the podcast it's about the attributes we've seen folks acquire along the way i'm logan gelbrick and i'm here to invite you to take up more leadership as a way to better understand life's most important topics this is the hold the standard podcast Today's episode is the nail in the coffin, in my opinion, in our argument for the undeniable unique advantage in choosing to pursue your peak expression. Today's episode is all about highly transferable skills. I have specific reason to believe that it doesn't matter what you choose to do. And as a matter of fact, whether or not you're even successful in the end, because the skills you accumulate along the way are universally valuable. The commitment from episode two, the ability to enter deep work from episode three, the resilience to adversity from episode four, and the understanding of flow from episode five are all highly transferable skills that are agnostic as to how you learned them. In fact, It's this exact concept that was the initial spark that led me to writing my book on this very topic. Because after nearly 20 years pursuing a very specific career in sports, I felt extremely prepared to do well in a new work environment because of the transferable skills I learned along the way. Here's another example. In 1998, a young, motivated, business illiterate man took charge of his father's liquor store. He changed the name, took part of the store's wine business online, and in five years, he took the company from $3 million to $60 million a year.
1: I'm speaking for myself that I fundamentally 100,000% believe that I can run any company I just do I myself as you know am a reverse engineer what I would be able to do is look I don't know I don't know dick about 99% of businesses out there but it would only take me about 6 months with my sponge like skills to figure out what's going on, look at the data, look at the numbers look at the culture, reverse engineer understand the marketplace and the consumer that's selling whether in a B2B or a B2C place, there is no business that me as an operator feel you know uh, intimidated by I can't speak for everybody but I do think there's clearly, I don't think I'm that special um, I think that there's other people that also have that skill set where they can take a look back, uh, really assess the situation, and then operate. And I think that balance comes with sales and HR. For me, I think that's why I'm able to do so much. For me, my strengths are within the HR universe and the sales universe, which are really the two things that you need in an organization. You need to be able to sell stuff, and you need to be able to like, build teams around you. If you're lucky enough to have that deuce in your life like I do, then you can do it.
0: That is the voice of Gary Vaynerchuk, and his confidence that he can lead positive change in any business industry in short order, is exactly true because of what I have to offer you today. Our skills are not siloed. And the environment that Gary Vee learned them just so happened to be selling wine online. For you, it may be something else. But the premise remains true. Like Gary Vee, You, too, can use any rich learning experience to inform your next level of development and performance. Here's another killer who uses transferable skills to do anything but, quote-unquote, stay in her lane. Top Chef All-Star Chef Antonia LaFaso.
2: Small little windows start to open, and then there's this confidence that comes from the success of this window open of me saying, yes, I'm going to do this, and then... Getting positive feedback from it being like, well, now I'm going to go do this. And now, and so now I'm in this mindset where I'm like, there is no limit to anything that I can do because I didn't go to business school, but I understand business to its core based on sitting in rooms with people, asking questions, reading books, and actually just doing the thing. So I don't have a business degree. I have two years of a community college. And I just figured it out because I said, I'm not going to be the person in the room who doesn't understand what's not happening. And then one thing just laddered the next. You know, it's a stepping stone, a building block. And before you knew it, I had all this information that worked. And it was because I didn't have a limiting mindset of, I don't do this. This part's not for me. I didn't go to school for this. So therefore, I shouldn't listen to this part. You know what I mean? There's no ego. There's no, um, I, I mean, when I don't know something, I'll be in a room and be like, I don't understand what you're saying to me. Explain it to me. And then if I still don't, I'll take it and figure it out and find other people who can explain it to me. Um, because I have no ego in not knowing something. I have no, um, you know, a, a fear of being made to feel stupid. Right. You know what I mean? I'll be the first one to raise my hand and be like, this might be a stupid question, but I need the answer, yeah. you know, and being totally fine with standing up in front of thousands of people and saying that. Yeah. And only through that, I'm like, there's nothing that's not possible. And I think the only distinction is that what you just said of like people listening to this or me listening to other people thinking that somehow I am different and less valuable than any of these people that already have all the things mm-hmm. that I want it. You know what I mean? In my mind, there was never a – That's for that group of people. That's for that group of people. I don't live in that world. I'm like, let me show you how big my world is.
0: You can hear the abundance in her voice. If you choose developmental environments like Chef Antonia has, you understand the transferability of these skills. It can feel like you have a passport to new worlds and opportunities. When I wrote Going Right, I wanted to have one real-life person's story represent each pillared concept. And when I got to the skill transfer chapter, the choice was obvious. Carl Pauli, who you've heard from many times throughout this season, is an author, a coach, and a truly transcendent figure in the world.
3: This mentality that people like myself have, that know that they have the capacity to hold a lot of space for a lot of things uh, can be detrimental because it's it's really easy to fall into this mindset of if I choose, I lose, right? If I choose this flavor, if I choose this focus, I'm going to lose out on all these other things. And what I've come to learn now is that if you choose, you win. And, and I did this as a, as a kid. For whatever reason, I chose to stick with gymnastics. And because of gymnastics, now everything I do allows me to win because I've seen the foundation, the principles, the values, who I am in that process and how it transfers into everything else. And as long as something is cool or interesting or catches my attention, then I know I can transfer into it. The... The question is, how can we get people to be conscious enough to ask themselves the right questions so they can feel confident enough or have the courage uh, to choose something uh, and then send it?
0: (laughs) I hate to sound condescending, but just as a reminder, the app that you're listening to this recording on has a rewind feature. Play that again. What Carl just articulated was the extension of the worldview of abundance and opportunity Chef Antonia shared. To him, it's in choosing a specific path of development that we win. Here's developmental psychologist Dr. Miller to help us understand the machinery behind the application of our learning and its cumulative effect
4: the idea that your learning is cumulative and that you can find a new application for old learning that's a little bit bigger or a little bit more useful or can keep up with whatever has changed externally, right? People know about that in a lot of different ways. Like, okay, so, you know, you can, uh, ride a skateboard. Okay. Now you want to try that on snow, very similar skills, okay? But also a couple extra variables in there. A little different, right? Like, a little more slippery. It's cold. You need a little different gear. You know, like, like it's it's different, right? Um, but it's not like you think, forget skateboarding because it's on a road and has wheels. It's totally different, right? Don't forget skateboarding. Take the pieces of skateboarding that are helpful in snowboarding and you make an application of those things and, like, you're going to be able to hit it, okay? Okay similarly you're learning all through childhood that's occurring right like you got feedback loops you kind of know what happens you know if you jump off something that's too far down you know you're gonna get hurt so next time can you learn to roll if you want to make that jump or something like you learn this physically as a child and then as an adult you start to learn this cognitively so can two things be both compelling and true at once yes they actually can be right so you're going to exercise that muscle you know how to make application of the things you learned before you're going to start to apply them with with new variables new externals but it's the uh, quality of attention and awareness that you start to accumulate over time and that usually looks like I start thinking about me and why I'm doing what I'm doing And that is a long fucking journey. That is a lifetime journey. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I staying an extra 20 minutes? Why am I hiring this person? What kind of collaborations do I need to keep me to the next edge so it's not just baseball?
0: What an incredible question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? I often feel like we all wonder this. But some of us do a better job at suppressing it than others. To Kara's point, to answer that question almost always transcends the exact specific thing we are doing. Hell, answering that question proves the point of this episode. I definitely wasn't playing baseball just to play baseball, and I sure as hell didn't start a gym to start a gym. It's always an inquest into something bigger. Similarly, I hypothesize that Michael Jordan wasn't playing basketball just to play basketball, and Chef Antonia isn't cooking so that there's more hot pasta in the world. I propose that people like Michael Jordan do things for transcendent reasons, like to see what we're capable of, to experience love, to explore life as a seeker, or to be a teacher, the details of how we express these things are much less critical in so much as they demand our deepest commitment, foster a large body of deep work, make us resilient to adversity, and introduce more flow into our lives. It's in this moment in the season of the podcast that we reveal the fact that this whole pursuit of your peak expression isn't specifically what it's all about. That's just a vehicle for transcendence. Listen to Carl Pauli hint at how we use moving through any lane of expertise to ultimately break through and progress.
3: What I knew was that in gymnastics, as in any sport, there's a code, a way of doing things. But that code always has some margin. Like you can, you know, kind of draw outside of the lines a little bit and be a little innovative. And it's those who are innovative in their approach to adhering to the practice or to the technical development that actually push the boundaries of the sport, of a culture, of a way of doing things.
0: Now, I understand as you listen to this, you might not have the specific and remarkable skills that Carl Pauli has as an accomplished gymnast, but that's beside the point. You do have life experience that has developed you in ways that can serve you. These ways are often in our blind spot, according to award-winning career coach Ford Myers.
5: Most people take their own skills for granted. They just figure, well, that's what I do. You know, it's easy for me. It comes easy to me. So when someone says to you, Alexis, wow, you're a really great editor, right? you go, well, I guess. I don't know. It just comes easy to me. I just do it. You know, No big deal. But don't do that. Don't just say to yourself, eh, it's no big deal. I just do it because it comes easy to me. It's not really worth that much. It is worth something. It's worth a lot. Because the person next to you can't do it at all. That means you have a strength, you have an asset, you have abilities that are highly valuable. I have many clients, when we're trying to work out their accomplishment stories, and they say to me, oh, I was just doing my job. We're sitting there trying to identify their greatest accomplishments, and they say, I was just doing my job. Really? That's very short-sighted that is extremely self-defeating. Instead, what you should be doing is taking stock of your accomplishments in every job you have, in every role, and you need to learn to articulate those transferable skills.
0: What Coach Myers is inviting you to do is to look inside your life experience for the attributes you've earned along the way. Now, this, of course, takes awareness, some of which we can tease out with some reflection. But in a perfect world, you will leave this listening experience with an expanded view of the learning you're doing right now, this week, this month, and this year, that is helpful beyond its own sake. Developmental psychologist Dr. Kara Miller
4: the pursuit is the thing that will bring meaning. If people are willing to take that question on, we will get to like way deeper places. And so I would say, how do you build something in earlier on that brings awareness to this? Am I creating meaning here? Am I finding something that's a pursuit that will have another expression I can't imagine later. The place where you get closest to that is skill transfer. When you talk about skill transfer, you're starting to talk about this. Because it's what can I do with what I'm learning now to keep the awareness that I'm going to use that in other ways later but I would come at it from a sort of deeper level or a higher level or however we want to say it. How am I using this crazy, insane level of commitment and this process and this mastery and all of that to continue to seek meaning and construct meaning that will last me for my whole lifetime and maybe might contribute to generational learning over time, maybe even institutional learning over time.
0: I sometimes tell the story of the first team-wide meeting we had my freshman year at the University of San Diego. I had palpable nerves when head coach Rich Hill entered the room to address all the players, coaches, and staff for the first time. And in that moment, I had awareness to leave my own nervous perspective for a minute. As a freshman, I put myself in Coach Hill's shoes, and I thought, this is the exact way you'd have to run a business. Coach Hill, who you've heard from this season, was laying out cultural norms and strategies and making every organizational decision based on its ability to get 30 other people to perform at the highest level so he could feed his family. This perspective that, to Dr. Miller's point, has enough awareness to ask, what about this learning experience can serve me beyond this specific event, is exactly how you plant powerful seeds of skill transfer in the learning you're doing now into a future context. Without question, that baseball meeting in 2004 is informing my meetings in a different industry in 2021. The beauty of skill transfer is that past life experiences pay dividends into the future. This season, you've heard from Brazilian photographer Vava Ribeiro, who I can say unequivocally cashes in daily on the value of skill transfer that we're discussing in this season. It's important to note that remarkable life experiences perpetuate more remarkable life experience and success-filled development. Without name-dropping, Vava tries to articulate the currency of skill transfer as someone who is constantly surrounded by the world's most accomplished people.
1: Morals, I think, are important to me. Um, people who are, you know, they're, they're, they're so in touch with what they do, and that gives them confidence about being themselves. And because they're themselves, they can be strictly honest with the people around them. And, and then that honesty, that sort of like, um, type of persona for me is 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 the ones that I'm drawn into. You know, I, I because I value not only people who are successful at their business, but people who are genuinely interesting good people. Because those are the ones that I can learn from.
0: Now at this point in the conversation, I need to hold you, the listener, accountable. I will not allow you to throw away the preceding episodes of this season simply because of the power of skill transfer. Hear me, this is not a hall pass on vulnerability. What I'm specifically not saying is that it quote, doesn't matter if you're successful in the end, so the details don't matter and I can just sandbag on mastery. No, winning the game ultimately doesn't matter. But you've got to play like it does. Even most religions hold this important paradox. Christianity, for example, says what? It says, live like Jesus Christ. Essentially, perfection. Which is specifically impossible, by the way. So, what happens? You try your damnedest. And you fail. You introspect. You evolve. And you repeat. Hear me. This is much different than living like Jesus Christ, in air quotes, actively sinning your face off, and then just shrugging at your confessional, being like, well, I tried. The learning and development and power of skill transfer is in the vulnerable pursuit of a stretch goal of perfection as if it's possible. Brené Brown.
2: No vulnerability, no creativity. No tolerance for failure, no innovation. It is that simple. If you're not willing to fail, you can't innovate. If you're not willing to build a vulnerable culture, you can't create. It's just that simple.
0: One of my most accomplished friends and wise souls, Tate Fletcher, has lived many lives as a jiu-jitsu champion, a UFC fighter, actor, and entrepreneur. You can imagine the skill transfer happening when you leave the octagon and try to make sense of a Hollywood film set, and from film sets to business meetings. Here's Tate on a perspective that sounds like
6: he's just a student in what he calls Earth School. Where can I level up my own consciousness so that I could be of better service to these guys? And I think that It's my communication has had to get better because I think with a lot of people, if you just give them a task to do, they're not so interested in that. But if you tell them, hey, man, here's the grand vision of like, this is what we want to get going and I can paint a picture that I can see. Why wouldn't I share that? And so, you know, I just found that I need to be more expressive and communicative with what my desires and dreams about the simple project we're on look like or else who am I to think that I should be getting any other answer besides some dismal result you know like I haven't I haven't put in my foundation and I don't know if it's them so much or if it's me you know and so I, I feel like there's a you know everybody's everybody's a work in progress like they say right and so in earth school here it's like we're at different spots and if I'm in a spot where somebody else is dismal behind me that's my job it's my responsibility of a citizen to to bring them up
0: I admire Tate and all of the guests you've heard from this season for their ability to not just level up over and over again in life, but how well these people use their seemingly unrelated past pursuits to make them great in something new. It seems to me that they all have one thing in common. And that every pursuit in life isn't a stage just for show and tell but rather an opportunity to practice. Jordan Peterson confirms.
1: There isn't anything that you can possibly do that makes you more competent in everything you do than to learn how to communicate. I don't care if you're going to be a carpenter. I mean, being a carpenter, by the way, is very difficult, especially if you're a good carpenter. But if you're good at communicating as a carpenter, you're like 10 times better as a carpenter. So, the and this is something that the liberal arts colleges, I think, have, I don't know if they've forgotten it, but they don't do a very good job of marketing. It's like, well, what's the use of a bachelor's degree, a bachelor of arts? It's like, well, you can think, you can write, you can speak, you've read something. It's like, the economic value of that is incalculable. So, and that's all, in, that's all dependent on your ability to communicate. So, practice.
0: I want to leave you with two things today. An acknowledgement of the danger here and some good news. First, the danger. The number one reason men and women don't choose the paths that will lead to their peak expression is fear. This fear interrupts our logic. And my worry is that you may begin to think that the meaning of life is to avoid all pain, failure, and discomfort. As if that's even possible in the first place. The real danger is in the irony of avoiding your fringes. In an effort to seek safety, you're safe. Until you aren't. As a result, the positive intent of avoiding pain is met with an unfortunate outcome. And that's that you become fragile. And there's nothing more dangerous than letting decades of your life go by without any remarkable thing to show for it. Worst of all, these people don't know themselves. Because it's in the feedback loop of pursuing excellence that we have a mirror to meet ourselves. Here's the good news. All it takes to earn the attributes you've learned about in this season of the podcast is a stretch environment to give everything you've got. And like Brene Brown offered, that's a vulnerable effort. And it has remarkable utility in the world. After all, who would you rather hire? The individual with undeniable commitment, a large body of deep work, A resilience to adversity, an experience with peak human performance, or the person who avoided it. When you look at it that way, it seems like we don't have any other choice. When you pursue your peak expression, whether you experience success or failure, you've already won. I would like to thank our team, producer William Broughton, and me, Logan Gelbrick. Original musical composition by Michael Rodriguez. Graphic design by Nikki Grudadaria. And directed by Ernesto Hurtado. The Hold the Standard podcast is a Rebel Talk Network production.